0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, and especially Irish wolfhounds decked out in green for St. Patty's Day. <laughs> it's Thursday at 3 o'clock, and you know what that means? It's Tea with me, BBP. Live from the Michigan State University campus, it's your host, Bill Van Patten, a.k.a. BBP, international superstar and your own diva of SLA. And speaking of St. Paddy's Day, <laughs> with me are my two lucky charms. uh oh. Angelica Kramer and Walter Hopkins, say hello to everybody. Hello. Hello out there. It's great to be back. Can't you do it in an Irish accent, an Irish brogue, either one of you? Oh no, no. I can't. Walter, Walter you're always, you must be able you're always to. Doing that. If I yeah. heard
1: it, I could. But you're always doing that fake British thing. British accent, but I'm not. No, sure no, no, I can no. do the
0: Irish one. I like that's being sorry. a lucky
2: charm. That's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's good.
0: As long as you're people the, don't eat me like you can be the half moon and you can mm-hmm. be the star. How's that?
2: There we go. I don't know what that means, but yes, sure.
0: <laughs> Whatever. Lucky charm, the cereal's lucky charm. They have oh, those, the, yes. The little mm-hmm. Stars and half moons and Mars mm-hmm. Shamrocks and whatever. Oh,
2: I want to be a shamrock.
0: You could be a shamrock if you want. Okay. So here we are. We had a. We we're back from our hiatus. We had spring break last week. Thank th- all of you for tuning in to us after our little break. Um, I went to Oklahoma right before spring break. That mm. was f- fabulous. Those people are really really cool. Uh, Southwest Colt um, was the uh, venue for the event. A lot of people. I gave a, a keynote. There were like, f- I think like 400, people in the audience. Wow. It was really, and really treated me well. Really, really good people. So thanks to everybody in Southwest Colt and to the people in Oklahoma for welcoming me. I had a great time while I was there. Next up on the diva Tour is where? Do you know where?
2: Indeed I do. Ohio it's next week.
0: Columbus, not next week.
2: Oh not next week,
0: isn't it two weeks? Oh from no, right? you're right it's two it's weeks. The yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. Oh, so the next Ohio. stop the, Yeah for the, Ohio. for the Ohio Foreign Language Association. so and what's going to be cool is we are taking tea with BVP on the road there. So we will be at, um, at the Ohio Foreign Language Association with Tea with BVP. So thanks everybody at OFLA for inviting us. Uh, we'll give you the details on that next week so that you know because we'll be at a different time and date that last weekend in March. And that's all I've got to say about that. I got no news. My life is so boring. No Hmm. news. I know. Boring is Uh, good sometimes, though. Boring is good sometimes. It really is. It um, makes you appreciate when you have the peaks in your life, (laughs) when you're you're plateauing like I am. And speaking of plateauing, our topic Hmm. today is fossilization. Well, we'll get into that later. That's a good one. Uh, Excuse me. Um, But I will remind everybody that during the show, we have the SLA challenge question. And it's going to be a great challenge question because it's related to our topic. Um, And it's not that difficult. It really isn't, Walter. Don't give me that look, Walter. I know what you're thinking. (laughs) It's (laughs) never difficult. As usual, I will give the question to our audience in a few minutes. And the first person to make it to the phones uh, and call in will win a prize. And and Angelica will yell out, ding, 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 because we're still waiting on our sound effects. (laughs) And the same for the Diva Challenge question. Believe it or not, kids, I have a Diva Challenge question that's almost topically related
2: wow. okay. to
0: our show today. So cool. I'll, I'll, you'll see Do you when that comes up. you think I'll You'll see. Maybe. Probably not. Do <laughs> <So laughs> you think I'll, you'll get it? <laughs> <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Walter, you'll get it. I know you will. Wow. So I'll read the Diva Challenge. Actually, no, you won't, Walter. I just realized oh. you won't. <laughs> I'll read the Diva Challenge <laughs> question at some point, and you will have ch- time to call in. Just like the SLA Challenge question and win a prize if you get the answer correct. And of course, we have Angelica's Quote of the Week and Walter's Read of the Week, which is a special Read of the Week. I'm so excited about Walter's Read of the Week. I am just, as Sophia Petrillo would say, I'm lactating. It is so (laughs) exciting. this Read of the Week. Oh, boy. The number to reach us at is 517-884-4321. Again, that's 517-884-4321. Dustin is on the phones today because Jen is taking over Luca's spot. Luca's ill today. So Jen is doing our, um, Aww, our, our viewing board for us so we know what's coming up on the board. Of course, Angelica will be looking at Mixler to see what issues come up. Please call in, people. We want you to call in. This is a great topic today, and I know you all have something to say about it. So call in and let us know your thoughts on it. Again, what's the number, Walter? 517-884-4321. Yay! That's what it did, is. I think we didn't need a new phone number.
2: Why? I like that it's phone a great number. number.
0: I like. How, how do you? How do you, What's? What would be the phone number for T with BVP? Is that One too many letters? Eight hundred. Is that too many know. letters? Three plus
1: three,
0: three plus four equals yeah. what? Ten. No, we could do T W B. because a phone is three, three, and four. That's ten. Correct. T W yeah. B so with BBP. That, that would be our phone number. Wouldn't that be a great phone number? T with B B P?
1: What? Yeah, it'd be weird. Well, that well. would be awesome. I mean, I'm what sure they that, have. I, what are they called? Vanity numbers, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: like
1: vanity plates. You yeah. could probably get one. Well, to get on that, okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right. In all my spare time. On your spare time. On your spare time. Okay, should I get into the topic right off the top? I think you should. I think we should because this is a big topic. This is on everybody's mind because this is something that. Um, Well, there's a lot to say about this. So I'm going to say a few things. I don't like to talk too much because Walter gives me those funny looks. Um, (laughs) Walter's not even looking at you, but okay. But Anyway, so our focus this week, again, is fossilization. Now, fossilization is a term coined uh, in the early 70s to describe um, a mechanism by which particular, I'm going to underscore particular aspects of a learner's linguistic system uh, seems to cease its development toward a native-like norm. And I want to underscore its particular aspects of a learner's linguistic system, not the entire system. And it was actually Larry Selinker who coined this term. And what he says is the following. I'm going to quote directly because it's, it's – and I'll say it slowly, but it's, it's worth quoting directly. He says the following. Fossilizable linguistic phenomena uh, are linguistic items, rules, and subsystems which speakers of a particular native language or first language will tend to keep in their interlanguage relative to a particular target language. So let me repeat that. Fossilizable linguistic phenomena are linguistic items, rules, and subsystems which speakers of a particular native language or first language will tend to keep in their interlanguage relative to a particular target language. And what he does in his articles, he offers actually most of his examples come from the sound system. In fact, all of the examples he gives on that page come from the sound system. For example, he doesn't give this one, but this is one that we will all recognize. Some English speakers, not all, are unable to ever pronounce a Spanish R sound. Okay, so if I ask Walter, um, how do you say dog in Spanish? Perro. Okay, that's... (laughs) Oh, you mean you really want me to say it? Yeah. Perro. Right. And then, and how do you say but? Pero. Okay. So everybody out there can hear the difference. And a someone who hasn't been able to approximate the norm for Spanish for doing those two sounds, and there are variations on those, by the way. The first one he did is like a, um, a velarized sound you hear in the Caribbean. Um, what, uh, what would a non-native speaker who's fossilizing that sound sound like? Pero. Yes, exactly. Sounds like that. So that would be an example of a very particular feature that hasn't advanced or moved forward. Okay? Even though the rest of the system might be native-like, Walter might have great syntax and great morphology, but he just can't pronounce this one thing right. Um, <clears throat> another example that Larry Sankar gave is the Thai tone system. Um, so Thai has tones like, um, like Chinese, and that the, this, this might show up in somebody's English L2. Okay, and I can't, I can't give examples of that because I can't do that. But again, all the examples he gives are phonological, but uh, fossilization is not reduced to sound systems. It can be any subsystem or linguistic items, as he says in the quote. Again, what's important to understand here is that Selinker is not talking about a system-wide non nativeness So we're not talking about Angelica, for example, fossilizing at advanced low in proficiency in French. That's not what we're talking about. Nobody fossilizes at a, a, in a system-wide level, what sounds like you're saying is that very specific aspects of the linguistic system will remain non-native-like, while others may indeed be native-like. Now, let's cut to the chase for the, my little criticism for fossilization as a construct, and it's not just my criticism; it's it's a lot of people's criticism. So, fossilization is when we we see lack of development in a particular thing, right? How do you demonstrate that? How do you demonstrate lack of development? How long does someone have to not show progress in a particular domain of language assessment to say that part of the language is fossilized? Right, How do could five years, 10 years, hmm. 15 years, 12 years? Remember that old commercial when I was a kid about um, people who were constipated, who would eat prunes? <laughs> and they say, how many prunes are enough? Are six too many? Are three enough, six too many? That's what the commercial was about that. Because they're trying to sell a product to you, right? Um, And the same thing with fossilization. Is five years enough? Ten years too many? How long does it take for something, for us to actually say something's fossilized? Um, And instead of something being fossilized, do people actually maybe just plateau in a a subsystem or something? Um, Is it that features and subsystems fossilize? Actually, is it that something actually ceases to develop? Or is it that people stop interacting with the input when they feel they get good enough with some particular thing. If it's working for them, then they, um, they stop interacting with input in a way that would progress, allow that thing to progress more, that, that's been quote-unquote fossilized. In other words, again, let's just say Walter's doing Pero. That's what's in his inner language. And he does that for years, and he's like, oh, his R sound, his, his liquids are fossilized in Spanish. But lo and behold, five years from now, he goes and lives in Mexico, he might start to approximate perro and perro. He may not get him exactly native-like, but the fact that he's not doing it the way he was doing it five years ago shows some kind of development, which means it was never fossilized to begin with. Anyway, so. Now, um, the question then is this. If fossilization exists, if it exists, is it maybe a question of individual differences? So it's not that, for example... Um, Dustin and Walter and Daniel, who are native English speakers, are all going to fossilize on something the same way because they're English speakers learning Spanish or English speakers learning French or English speakers learning German. Um, what is emerging is that Walter might do one thing and Daniel might do another and someone else might do another. So is, is it is, is a phenomenon, is it something that that exists among groups or is it merely a matter of individual differences, in which case it could be traced back to some things that we've talked about before. Now, these are not trivia questions. The reason this is a good topic for this show. Now, I've been around for a while, right, Angelica? How long have I been around?
2: 27 years.
0: At least. In dog years, maybe. <laughs> my God, I've been around so long. Jeez. Come on. My God. They're about, I'm gonna, my face is going to be a Mount Rushmore when I retire. Let me not tell a you.
2: day over 29. What well, are you talking about?
0: Yeah, Not a day over 29. Okay. Because um, I've been around long enough, and I remember, and there's still lingering things about this. In the 1980s, there was a big hubbub in language teaching um, where people were claiming that such things as a natural approach or exclusive focus on comprehensible input caused people to fossil, uh, uh, fossilize. And there was a very famous article. Excuse me, I'm getting over that. I'm trying to combat this flu. <coughs> and so I'm gonna have a cough now that I'm sorry about that. <coughs> okay, Walter, take over. <coughs> Okay, yeah, so... Uh, okay, mm-hmm. give me the keys back, Walter. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> back in the 80s, there was a, a very influential article that in, in world language teaching, at least in the United States, um, that caused a big stir and made a lot of people freak out about fossilization. Well, they were claiming that if you didn't teach grammar and drill it in them in the early stages, if you just expose them to the comprehensive, if you didn't focus on accuracy from the get-go, then your learners would fossilize. And fossilization became this big boogeyman in the 80s. I don't know if, did you read about any of this, Walter, in your training when you were probably at MA? some point along the and way? And you just blew but it off, right? <laughs> it's just been a while. The thing is, some people still believe this. I still hear this when I go out there. People say, oh, but if you don't do this, won't they fossilize? Again, the idea is that somehow the entire system just fossilizes, freezes, like it's not gonna move at all, right? Like input doesn't do anything when we all know it does. So my point is that all that argument about fossilization and language teaching was just utter nonsense. And the fact that some people still believe this just shows me that we're, we need to do shows like this and talk about this kind of stuff. So my argument that is if fossilization does exist, and again in the Larry Selinker sense, not in the way it was portrayed in the 80s among language teaching, if it does exist, it's probably a natural phenomenon, and it's a natural phenomenon that does not respond to direct intervention. You can't go in and remove someone's fossilization. It's not like you can go in with a knife and cut it out. Here, Angelica, I'm going to go in your head and <laughs> cut out that fossil. You've got a fossilized X in your head. I'm going to cut it right out so that you can do this in English and not do it the way you're doing it. Right? Walter? That would not be very nice to Angelica. I know. I'm going to stand know. up for Angelica Thank right you, now.
2: Thank you, Walter. Anyway. I'll come across
0: the table and help if he starts cutting open okay. your head. Yeah, I would never do that. Help you, not him. I would never do that. (laughs) (laughs) that. So anyway, so so those those are our introductory thoughts on fossilization. That is a a phenomenon difficult to prove um, from a scholarly perspective and from a research perspective. From a teaching perspective, it's a a concept that has been misappropriated and misused to scare teachers, I think, into not doing things that they should be doing. um, And... um, and that we need to be careful how we use the term when we talk about language teaching and language learning. Okay, if you wanna get in this conversation, you have thoughts about that, or share your own experience with people talking about fossilization, I'd love to hear your stories. Again, our number is 517-884-4321. Again, that's 517-884-4321. And it looks like, do we have a caller on the line already? I can't quite tell. Okay, Mm -hmm. we have a, Lizette, are you on the line? I am.
3: Hey, Lizette.
0: You? I'm good. How are you doing?
3: I'm enjoying my coffee in my Tea with BV, BVP cup that I won at uh, Axel in San Diego.
0: Well, there you go. Good for you. I remember you, Lizette.
3: Oh, well, I'm flattered.
0: As soon as I saw your but name up there.
3: Walter, Walter never came through. You know. We I know. Him, He's like that, you know. He's like that. He's like that. I've been waiting to hear from him, and it just hasn't happened.
1: Well, that's okay. Bill I've makes got... lots of promises he can't keep. See. So. Yeah, my. Oh, my I,
0: my, my okay, mouth I'll writes
3: off the hook. My my mouth writes
0: checks that Walter can't cash. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay, because we have a nice little poem about Walter we're going to read later that someone sent in to us. So. Okay. <laughs> oh, great. so, Lizette, what are you calling about? What's on your mind?
3: Well, I could speak about two things, but the first thing has to do with comprehensible input. And I'm part of a community that has been using comprehensible input for quite a few years. And so now the conversation has been how comprehensible does the input need to be? Meaning, um, should we strive for 100% comprehensibility as we deliver the target language in the classroom? And TPRS teachers traditionally have done that, and one of the ways is by using judicious circling is what I call it. Or is it okay if, um, you know, we use, Various techniques to make it comprehensible, but don't ensure a hundred percent like if if you say use synonyms right when you're giving delivering a target language and you say, "Well, you know, I just got a new dog, I just got a new pet, it's a Dalmatian, you know a Dalmatian is a dog, a dog is an animal right you know, but you never really come around to saying what a Dalmatian is or what a dog is. So how, how comprehensible, what level of comprehensibility should we strive for? Uh,
0: this is where our definition of communication comes in handy. And here's, here's what I tell people, is that communication is the expression, interpretation, negotiation of meaning in a given context, right? So mm-hmm. you as a teacher mm-hmm. are the expressor of meaning when you're trying to get learners to, you know, give learners comprehensible in the classroom. It's the learner's right. job to indicate to you, through however you define interaction. It could be one-word mm-hmm. shout-outs. It could be gestures. It could be icon, whatever. Whether they're comprehending or not, and mm-hmm. it's it's it, and so as comprehensibility is not something that's totally the burden of the teacher. Right. Learners have to be active negotiators of meaning in the classroom. And so, if if they are shouting out, if they are indicating things, it's when they tell you, huh? Or they gave you that funny look on their faces. Mm-hmm. You go, okay, that mm-hmm. person didn't understand me, so now I got to redo mm-hmm. it. And so again, that's why I, that's why I always talk to people about having a definition of communication and and using comprehensible in, input in the classroom is a part of this larger picture of communicative language teaching. So having that defini- definition helps me when I teach, for example, and I'm using input in the classroom to negotiate with students. Okay, and
3: sure, I we did. I do that and we encourage people to do that for example some of us um we have various techniques you know we give them a signal and say uh if you don't it's my job to make it well we tell them it's our job because anyway who wants to admit that they don't understand right so it's my job to make comprehensible when if you don't understand do such and such or we teach to the eyes and we look at them in the eyes and you can tell whether kid's understanding it or not. So as a TPRS teacher, what we then do is we back up, rewind right, a little exactly. bit, and go to a point where they do understand and then move it forward. So again, I'm going to put you on the line here. Should we strive, <clears throat> whether it be the responsibility of the teacher or the student, for 100% comprehensibility before moving on in in the delivery of the, the story or or the conversation
0: yeah if 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 the meaning is important to what you're doing you should strive for that otherwise why are you bothering to express meaning right so so if oh, people say it, that again you say should again. strive to you should <laughs> you should strive for complete comprehension because you're focused on meaning and so what's the yeah. purpose of focusing on meaning if you don't want people to understand and what's Oh the,
3: I love that
0: right and so yes. – so it's and, but, but again, I want to say that it's it's a joint burden of 100 percent, not not a, mm-hmm. a teacher-only burden. And so right. if you're focused truly on meaning, like what's the story about? What are we trying to find out here? What are we trying to learn about this person's story and what he or she is doing, what's happening, right? Then mm-hmm. if your focus is on that, then you want as close to 100 percent as possible because that's what you're trying to do is get meaning across. So
3: – okay. And some people would argue then, well, you know, the first time they hear something, you know, they'll get the gist of it and then you know, the next time they'll hear it in a different context, then they continually refine like a child does actually. But
0: but again hundred percent hundred percent comprehension doesn't mean you understand 100% of every word you hear it means you mm-hmm. understand what that sentence is about and what it relates to in the larger picture so if i say to walter something and he only he, he gets four out of the five words but he puts the meaning together and we can go on with what we're doing that to me is okay. 100 per, that is 100% comprehension because the flow of meaning and what we're trying to do is not interrupted
3: mm-hmm. I get so that. I,
0: I'm trying to get but, right. again comprehension and, and 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 meaning to me are not word counting. It, it's about it's about the overall discourse and 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 how how that how what is it we're trying to express and and understand um, and mm-hmm. whether we're doing that or not. Not not necessarily every single word. That mm-hmm. makes, does that make sense, Lizette?
3: It does. It does. Um... All right, I I can say something about fossilization if you'd like.
0: Well, if you yeah, I think we've got another caller coming up. I got to do the SLA challenge question, but I would like to hear what you have to say about fossilization before I let you go. Go ahead.
3: Okay. Well, I can give an example. I know someone. I've known this person for you know over thirty years, and this person makes a grammatical error in uh in the same consistent instance. For example, instead of saying, I I would have gone. To the movies, this person says, "I would have went," and that person has said that for over thirty years. So
0: but I don't. I don't would consi-
3: that be an example of fossilization?
0: No, because there are varieties of English where people say that. Um, watch okay. Judge Judy, Lizette. Watch Judge Judy and watch native speakers of English <laughs> on Judge Judy, mm-hmm. and you'll hear mm-hmm. exactly that.
3: Um, oh, yes, yes. Well, I'm sure that's how it works. Because that's, call, that's called
0: regularization in, in language. And mm-hmm. that's, that particular example you give is, is not always a good one to give because mm-hmm. it's the kind of thing that exists with native speakers as well. So you have to find something that native speakers don't do, then that would be an example. But this,
3: all right, does it make a difference that this person has had correct input for those 30 years and hasn't changed?
0: But you you can't you don't know what input that person's had for thirty years, right? Unless you well, unless you I'd, follow that person around for twenty four seven with a little iPad and a, and a recording device, you don't know <laughs> that person could have heard. I mean, if she watches Judge Judy or watches Judge Judy, is going to hear I would have went.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. I had a student. I actually mm-hmm. had a
0: student say that in my office the other day. I would have went or something like that, and I, I remarked mm-hmm. on the fact to myself. There, yeah, there's went regularization of of a of a, uh, pat- a okay. participle. So right.
3: there you go, and it like and it. Doesn't interfere with communication? Nope. 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 Okay. Well, I'm still interested in this CI thing, but you did uh, give me more stuff to think about.
0: Okay. Well, we'll, we might have a show just about that issue. I think that was a good thing you brought up. So,
3: I would love that.
0: Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Lizette, for calling in. Have a great time in San Diego. Enjoy the sun.
3: Okay. All right.
0: Thanks, Lizette. Bye-bye. Bye, Lizette. Bye. See, Walter, what you missed? You would have missed a great date talking to Lizette. She's a great person. (laughs) There, you should have have taken me up on that. All right, before we move on, um, let me give everybody the SLA challenge question um, so that you can call in and win your prize. You ready for this? Here we go. What is the name of the seminal paper in which Larry Selinker coined the term fossilization? Hmm. Again, what is the name of the seminal paper in which Larry Selinker? Coined the term fossilization. Call in with a correct answer and win a prize. Right on, A
2: date with Walter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> we, go. we need to stop giving those. We're going to just call this. The, <laughs> we're just going to
1: call this. Give Give Walter ways. Well, a date if I show. recall, uh, in San Diego, Walter barely could even speak oh, and I left remember that. Oh, I very Poor very Walter. shortly after the show was done and flew back because it was quite quite miserable.
0: Poor Walter. Oh. All right, we got another phone call already coming in. We've got Sean on the line. Sean, are you there? How you doing, Bill? Hey, Sean, I'm doing great. Where are you calling from?
4: North Carolina.
0: Yay, North Carolina, Tar Heel. Are you a Tar Heel native, or are you just?
4: I, I am a Tar Heel.
0: Get out of here.
4: <laughs> I have North Carolina winning the national championship. <laughs> your, oh
0: my gosh. <laughs> there were somebody was my trainer was asking me this morning if I was going to bracket because we had this bracketing game going on, and I, you know, the only bracket I know is the kind you put on the back of a shelf. To hold it up, I don't. Right. Kn- I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm just not. Uh, there's two sports I absolutely despise, and you're going to hate me, Sean. But one of them is football, and one of them is basketball. So I don't wow. follow those things. I know. My
4: goodness, a lot of the value of our beloved MFU is lost on you, BVP. That's. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's. Cr-
0: I, I'm a baseball <laughs> guy. I'm a baseball guy and a tennis guy. So, anyway,
4: I'm a baseball guy myself. That's my my reason actually why I learned so much Spanish is I grew up <laughs> wanting to use it as a baseball scout or some. Person that helped Hispanic baseball players. Well, but, there you
0: go. Yeah. All right, so yep. Sean, what are you calling about other than talking about baseball?
4: <laughs> well, we can do that whenever you'd like. Oh, hear. I'd love to. Um, and uh, so I was calling about, I, I find this fossilization topic quite interesting, um, and I think there's a lot of new research that doesn't necessarily have to do with FLA specifically that supports the idea that we can not have fossilization if we're conscious about it. We've learned a lot about neuro-linguistic programming and just the general neuroplasticity of the brain in the last few years and based on that and based on some of my own personal experience with being students and me personally having and then getting rid of fillers in my English um, and then having my second language which for me is Spanish pronunciation messed up by reading and then fixed by phonology courses and exposure to study abroad time and then also having ESL students who have learned to use the word it properly in their English. So you've got the most quote unquote automatic words that you ever use in your life, which are fillers. You've got neural associations caused by you know your, your L1 um, being fixed by pronunciation courses and input floods. And then you've also got the proper use of a non-existent idea which is the word it in a language where it basically doesn't exist. So to me, if there's three examples that kind of support the idea that there's no such thing as hardcore facilitation, I think those three are right there.
0: When you say, uh, By the way, let also, me just back up a minute. When yeah, you say it, are you talking about it as a, what we call a dummy subject? Yeah,
4: like the, the word it, the pronoun it. Mm-hmm. But
0: so like, it, like it's two o'clock? Uh-huh right uh, for those of, for, for those of you out there who, who aren't who aren't in the know on this it and there in English are what we call expletive subjects or dummy subjects. We use them in in languages like Spanish and Japanese and and and, 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 and um, uh, Turkish for example we have we allow null subjects. Um, in fact they're required in sentences that that can't have a subject a referential subject so like it's raining. In Spanish, you would just say "está lloviendo. You can't put an "it" in there, and so. Right. But English and French and German languages like that require some kind of expletive subject to hold the subject position, and so that's that's what Sean's referring to. That that kind of "it." Gotcha. Okay. Yes. Um, and so, your idea is that fossilization is. Are you trying to say? Are you arguing that fossilization could be overcome? Is that what you're saying? I or?
4: think. It, I think it's never a thing that is. 100%, yeah, I don't think it's ever a thing that's 100% set in stone. I think you might develop a habit that looks like fossilization, but it's probably not actually there for <clears throat> the rest of you.
0: And, exactly, and that was my point at the top of the show, is that it's so difficult to prove that, that something is actually fossilized. And again, it doesn't mean that fossilization doesn't exist. It really could be a real phenomenon, a real mechanism in the head. Uh, mm-hmm. But we haven't got to the point yet where we've been able to Demonstrate there act- you know that there's actually, Sean, no evidence in the literature that fossilization exists. Nobody ever has done a study that shows there's fossilization. The people, yeah, and I think, you know,
4: I think with those examples that I brought up, I mean, those are just they're just the principles of them, right? And, and I'm not the premier anything on fossilization or lack thereof. It just seems to me that right, that's a lot of stuff to suggest to to have to. Prove against,
0: <laughs> right? So, right. Yeah, and again, fossilization could be if it exists in some subdomains, like like the you know not putting an it in a sentence, um, could also be depending on the nature of the first language, could also be a phonological issue and not a syntactic issue. So oh, some okay. some Spanish people, for example, might say it's raining, and you think they're not yeah. putting the it is, but in their mind, Correct. it's there. But because phonologically you can't do a double consonant in Spanish at the end of a syllable. There's no such thing as a t's in Spanish at the end of a syllable. It's raining, okay. that's an impossible sequence in Spanish. So a lot right. of Spanish speakers say it's raining and they think they're saying it's raining. But what they've done is they've dropped the T because they cannot make that consonant cluster. So it's, okay. it's, a phonologi- yeah. it's a phonological maybe fossilization but it's not a syntactic fossilization. And we look at what they're doing in the language and we know that they have those subjects elsewhere. So, um, anyway, so some of those things we have to look at, you know, in different ways. But um, anyway, so, and if English is wow, a weird that makes language. A yeah. And I, I hadn't thought of it like that, but that is, yeah, absolutely. Okay, Sean, I'm going to let you go. Um, you have blown Sean's mind today, Bill. No, Sean's he's, a good guy. Not, your mind's not blown, Sean, yeah, is it? But-
4: all right. I mean, the purpose of this is obviously just to anybody who's worried about oh no, it's fossilization. Like, don't don't stress. It's almost certainly not a thing, and if it is, right. I've seen stuff that looks like it overcomes. So, if you're a right. teacher out there worried about it, right. just nothing to worry about.
0: And, and 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 these are these are natural phenomena. Look at the kid learning English as a first language, for example. I mean, again, we have to look at hours, not years. I've said this repeatedly in the past. It takes that kid until the age of five. To get the pa- simple past tense down in English and do it 100% of the time. Yeah. How many years is that kid trying to get the past tense down in, in, in his outfit or her outfit, right? Really? And those are hours and hours and hours and hours. So, like, we're talking like 13,000 hours. And so, would we say if we measure that kid at, at three and a half, say, oh my God, the kid's fossilized? Can't do a past tense. <laughs> kids have been getting past tense for two and a half years. It's fossilized. Oh, my God. Eight hours, eight, eight hours a day of, of comprehensible input, and the kids fossilized. Look at that. But lo and behold, at age five, there's the past tense. Oh, they no still passes. And I go to party. And then, you know, at the, age, at the age of five, at the age of five, they hear the dog was chased by the rabbit, and they think the dog chased the rabbit. And you go, oh, my God. Passes, fossilized. Isn't that passes? Poor kids yeah. fossilized with only actives. Lo and behold, by the age of eight, there are passes. So you go, oh. I guess I spoke too soon. As the same
4: person, how many fifteen-year-olds they know who have the same problem?
0: Yeah. So, so we have to. This again is it's a problem to 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 talk about fossilization in certain ways. So, again, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I just, I I, as a scientist, I want to, I want someone to show me how they're going to actually show it exists, Um, and that because fossilization means it can't, something can't be changed. And what you're arguing that I agree with Sean is that it can't. Some things can change. And how 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 they change is, that's up for debate, right? But the, the, they can change. So nothing is really truly ever fossilized, maybe. For sure. Okay. I, I sort of agree with you on that. So, Well, great, Sean. Ooh. Thanks for calling in. Good luck on your bracketing. I hope you win. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye, Sean. Bye. Bye, Sean. Bye-bye. All right. Before we go to Walter's segment, I am going to reread the SLA Challenge question since we're on the topic of fossilization. Mm-hmm. And here's the question. What is the name of the seminal paper in which Larry Salinker coined the term fossilization? Everybody interested in second language acquisition, the basics, should read this paper. Okay. Walter. Walter. Can you do this in an Irish brogue, Walter? Nope. Tomorrow's St. Paddy's Day.
2: Yeah, you should have really practiced that, Walter. I'm a little bit disappointed. I'm so sorry. Are you, though?
0: Nope. (laughs) Uh Uh
1: Uh, so Walter's read of the week mm-hmm. has been hijacked this week by a man named Bill Van Patten who <laughs> wants me to promote his newest book of short stories. It's Yay! I'm sorry to do this to audience. I made Walter do this, sorry. Yeah, it's all right. I haven't read it yet, so I can't really promote it, you know, so. But anyway, it's called The Whisper of Clouds, Stories from the Windy City. And it is by a man named Bill Van Patten, as I mentioned, and it's available on his website, InputAndMore.com. So go to InputAndMore.com and find The Whisper of Clouds, stories from the Windy City. Uh, these are short stories about—what's the Windy City? I mean—no, <laughs> I'm just so kidding. Funny. Chicago. so and Chicago. Uh, Walter's the Windy City. <laughs> <laughs> You're a funny guy. Anyway, so go ahead and uh, check it out. The Whisper of Clouds by Bill Van Patten, available on Amazon as well.
0: And just because I don't just promote without this, we're giving this away today to whoever calls in and answers the SLA challenge question. Oh, wow. So answer the SLA challenge question and you will get a free copy of The Whisper of Clouds, my gift to you for calling in. So there. And I touched it, just so you know. He touched it. (laughs) (laughs) He put his hand in my book and he touched it. Will
2: it be a signed copy?
0: It will be a signed
2: copy. Wow, man. People call.
0: Okay, I am going to um, read a couple things off the Twitter press while we, I think some phone calls are coming in. So um, I'll let those come in while I read this. Um, Luca tweeted out this last week Is fossilization real? 53% 53% of the people said yes, 25% said no, and 22% said no lo se, <laughs> which I don't know who where they got that from, which means, of course, I don't know. Um, <laughs> they really said that? That's funny.
2: It was probably an option, though.
0: So Christopher said fossilization as a phenomenon is widely accepted in SLA and used to describe lack of attainment but fails to explain why. He is absolutely correct that the explanation for fossilization is literally absent. But um, lack of attainment, again, as we said, it's not system-wide. It's very focused um, as a term. Uh, Miriam's one-word answer is no. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So she doesn't believe it's real. Um, Steve says fossilization, laddering, pre-reading and post-reading tasks, learning styles, et cetera. Unnecessary complication we learn through compelling input. Interesting. I like that topic. Uh, or that comment, and then I think it's Contios is, is the name. I think that depends that you know the fossilization is real. I think that depends on a precise definition of fossilization. As a phenomenon, it happens, but is the cause is the cause external or internal? That's another story. So um, yes, that is another story. What the cause of fossilization is is not well understood, assuming it does exist. And, and Contios is right to say that. I think that depends on a precise definition of fossilization. Um, One of the things that actually the construct has evolved over the years since it was first coined, Um, but it still, again, is not meant to be used for a system-wide thing, but fossilization of a very specific feature or item or even a small subsystem. Um, And then Laura says, can I say kind of? Laura, of course you can say kind of. You can say whatever you want. Um, She says, can I say kind of since it's real, but the amount of input required to make it happen is so improbable. Uh, not to make it happen. I think she means to make it, to overcome it. Um, possible. Again, as we were just saying with Sean, it's not about years of contact. It's about hours of quality contact. And then again, there's things like motivational kind of things. Very often, I know, for example, that I tune a lot of French out when I hear it.
3: Hmm.
0: And I'm, I'm, I'm not fossilizing French. I have literally chosen not to progress right now because I just, I'm too busy.
3: Hmm. I'm
0: too busy doing things. Um, and I don't think any part of my French is fossilized I think I'm just plateaued because I don't seek out input I don't seek out interaction I do eventually, occasionally uh, download a movie and watch it in French because I'm craving that um, but you know what I need is one on one interaction and things like that and I'm just I need to go to Quebec again for two months and France for a summer I just haven't done it so alright um, I think we have a caller on the phone uh, we have Corey Corey are you on the line
5: I am on the line.
0: Hey, Corey, it says you're from Connecticut. Is that true?
5: That is true. I'm from Watertown, Connecticut.
0: I love the alliteration. Corey from Connecticut. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that. All we need is an Angelica from Augusta and a a Walter from from Washington.
2: Washington.
0: (laughs) It's too bad I'm
5: not from Colorado. That would just have a nice ring to it.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Corey from Colorado. You should move. (coughs)
5: <coughs> that's a great idea See,
0: <laughs> That'd be a good pronunciation practice for, for Japanese speakers learning English Corey from Colorado Can you say that? You can say that in Japanese If you're a Japanese speaker you're, You've learned your English pronunciation Okay, so Corey uh, What are you calling about?
5: Well, I'm calling about the SLA challenge question Just because I want the book
0: You want my book All right, All right. He Wants want the book Okay, then Here goes the question um, what is the name of the seminal paper in which Larry Salinger coined the term fossilization? Take well, it away, Cor. I'm hoping
5: Courtney. it's interlanguage. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: Go ahead. Take it away. What's the, what's the paper called?
5: I'm hoping it's interlanguage.
0: It is interlanguage. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> All right. And I will actually put on the, in, in my signing of the book, with lots of love, Bill... If you can give me the year it was published in and the place it was published in so people can go oh look it Oh, my goodness.
5: Oh, no. I was just looking at it on uh, Wikipedia, and oh. <laughs> I didn't look in enough detail.
0: Oh, okay. Well, it was published in 1972 in the journal called International Review of Applied Linguistics. So for our, for our audience out there who wants to go look it up. But I'm still going to sign your book, Corey, and put lots of love from Bill. How's that?
5: All right, thank you very I won't much. put that in
0: there because if you're married or have a significant other or something, I don't want anybody to get jealous or think something funny is going on. So I'll just put, you know, two questions. No, Corey I
5: do want them. my wife to be jealous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, I'll put on there. See you next and week, And I do Cor- have
5: a fossilization question.
0: Okay, shoot. Let's see if I got an answer if for I you. Meant,
5: so I know that we also lose high-pitched sounds over time just because of the way um, the mechanisms work. Could that end up being true in other situations as well? When it comes to pronunciation,
0: um, I, I don't think well, when language When
5: it comes to hearing. I'm sorry. When it comes to hearing those kind of nuanced differences,
0: no, I don't think the language works that way. Um, because language isn't tuned to those kinds of things. I, I know. I think you're trying to do something and anal- make an analogy, but it, that doesn't happen. I, I can't. I can't say it does. Um, it, it, you you pretty much can perceive anything that's language related, because the language module is encapsulated and is not it does it doesn't respond to those other modules that are that are related to other kinds of perceptual things like seeing and hearing and things like that. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. So I would I would say no.
5: <laughs> well, I, I would say yes because I, I think it really comes down to meaning. As the meaning becomes important, you'll learn to listen to it.
0: Yep. That's that's why communication. I keep harping on communication, is at the heart of everything we do. So. All right.
5: Well, thank you very much. Well,
0: thank you, Corey. Your book will be and on I its way. I
5: Can't wait for your next book either.
0: All right. It's gonna. <laughs> it's Eating gonna be. It. It's gonna be called Snowbound: Stories from East Lansing. Yeah, I bet. Right. Okay. <laughs> Dustin, Dustin, do you have Corey's information? Okay. Great. Well, that book will be on its way to you soon, Corey. Thanks for calling in. Have a great, have a great right, thank weekend. You. Okay. Bye-bye, well, Cory. Take care, bye, Corey. Corey. Bye-bye. Corey from Connecticut, who wishes he was from Colorado. Yay. All right. <laughs> well, let me give the Diva Challenge question. How have we got that one out of the way? And people, we only have, oh, my God, the show's going by fast today. We only have uh, about 10 to 12 minutes for people to call in on this one. So here's the Diva Challenge question. Related to fossilization, Walter and Gallica. Ready? Oh, yeah, totally. What Academy Award-winning actress... <gasps> starred in the sequel to Jurassic Park? The Lost World is the name of the sequel. What Academy Award-winning actress starred in the sequel to Jurassic Park? The sequel being named The Lost World. Call them with the answer, and you will win a prize. I Actually, whoever calls in, I'm giving these away like hotcakes today. I feel like a used car salesman. I got a copy of Dust Storm, Stories from Lubbock. That will go out to the person who calls in today with a Diva Challenge answer. It's easy, you got a computer in front of you, you Googleize it, you'll be calling in, in no time. Okay, um, all right, and uh, we have Andy on the line. Andy, are you there? I'm here. Hey Andy, where are you calling from?
6: Calling from McKinney, Texas.
0: McKinney, Texas. I yeah. think I met Andy at Southwest College You
6: did. I yeah.
0: did, yes. We're old friends. We're old friends. We have, I remember we, we stood in the reception and had wine together. I remember that.
6: Yes, right. It was, man, it was a great. You got a, answered a lot of our questions. You were, you were a good sport, for sure.
0: Well, thank you. And I heard from Marita, so I'm going to be probably coming out to McKinney in the fall. So.
6: Oh, man, that's great. Man, that's going to be, that'll be awesome.
0: I expect a drink out of you. Okay.
6: Uh-huh. <laughs> Andy, oh,
0: well, my. Andy, what are you calling about?
6: Well, I'm i calling about lots of things. Uh you this, is, this is only
0: an hour show. and We got 15 minutes. <laughs> I, know, back, so. I know,
6: I know. Let's get to the important things first. I want to call and, uh, and even though I'm pretty sure he knew I was joking, I wanted to apologize to Walter for that. #Hashtag Don't Bring Walter because usually there's <laughs> truth behind every joke, but I promise you, there was no truth behind that joke. It's, he, uh, it's all
1: right, Andy. Yeah. No apology needed, but it's certainly accepted and you are forgiven. No
0: oh, thank you so much.
1: All. That
6: makes my day. Um, uh,
0: well, before you go on, Andy, I just want to read you something that was tweeted into us from Chris. This was okay. a poem written about Walter, since you're apologizing oh. to Walter. Oh, God.
5: <laughs> so, and here's
0: what we got, and then you can, a- you can ask your question. It, it, okay. it goes like this. Chris tweeted this in. Roses are red. Profes, not jo- profe is Spanish shorthand for professor. Uh-huh. Roses are red. Profes, not joking. Walter's so mm, damned hot. He is smoking. <laughs>
6: Oh, <laughs> my word. Man, he's getting more famous by the day. I tell you.
1: They haven't even seen my beard yet. So. There you go. Oh, it's true.
6: <laughs> we got to get
0: that out. Um, okay, Andy, so what's your question? Okay. What's up?
6: I'm sorry. I haven't been able to listen to the show, so I don't know if this will have to do with the show, but it's something me and my colleague were talking about in Oklahoma City a couple weeks ago. Um, uh, so I brought up the idea of patterns, and I know I've listened to your show on paradigms, and you basically said put those charts up if you want, but they're a complete waste of time. You know, they're not going to get in the kid's head. That's not what gets in their head. And that struck me because we definitely don't focus on charts in my class, but I will put them up every now and then. Um, if I feel like a kid is looking for it, or if they're doing a lot of non-native speakery things, but it's not a focus. And so then we brought up uh, that night, I was talking to my colleagues and I said, what about the idea of patterns? You know, we've been, we've been going through a unit where, yeah, they have to go and mention things that have gone on in the past and, uh, and I'll just put up a few verbs, you know, for input, but, the, but if they are trying to create, if they're like intermediate low and they're trying to create on their own, well, a lot of times they'll, they've got verbs they already know and they're doing things in the past and, I'll, and they'll raise their hand, well, how do you do this one? And I'll say, hey, this one works just like Gustava. This one works just like comía. Is that, is that, uh, is that bad to do that, to rely on like patterns like that that they have seen before or is that stuff not getting in their brain either?
0: It, it's it, nothing's really bad. Let's remember, this is not brain surgery where we're going to kill anybody by doing something, okay? So it's not bad in that sense. What you always have to ask yourself is Am I, am I spending class time the best way possible? It sounds uh-huh. like you are, and occasionally you make, make reference to something because people ask you a question, and that's fine. Um, yeah. So when people ask me questions, well, should I, should I explain something? The answer is no. If students ask you a question, um, like a why question, you better be able to give them like a three or four word answer because yes. you don't want to spend, you know, three minutes of an explanation on something out of a 45 yeah. minute period is how much of your class time.
6: Yeah, you're right. Yeah. When you yeah. could,
0: when you could, in three, do you know how many verbs and in, in input sentences I can get out in three minutes with my learners? Um, yeah, you're right. And and focusing on meaning and getting them to interact and so on. Three minutes is a precious amount of time in class. So, w- but what you're describing is is very simple, and easy, and quick to do if it comes up. So I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with what you're talking about. But so there, there you have it. Andy, you still there? Or did you drop? I think Andy's <laughs> call dropped.
2: <laughs> so sad.
0: He 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 hanged up on me.
2: He, oh <laughs> he, yeah, yeah.
3: I he hanged up on well, me well Andy it so appears
1: right. <laughs> we're so sad that you're no longer with us but thanks for calling maybe he'll call back in a bit
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> well we like Andy. Andy Andy actually was a very nice guy he was very nice I actually used him to do a uh, how do you say sorteo in English um, I have no idea sorteo you put your name and it, it gets drawn
2: sorting a drawing
0: a drawing mm-hmm. a drawing for I don't um, even I speak was, Spanish I was giving a prize away and so he did the drawing for me he passed it around and did the thing okay Angelica. Yes, sir. Time's slipping away, and if you don't tell us what your segment okay. is, your reading for the day.
2: Yes, I have an exciting reading for the day. Um, this is from a chapter from the language, I can't even talk, from the Handbook of Second Language Acquisition, edited by Catherine Doughty and um, Michael Long from 2003. This is chapter 16. And the chapter's title, "Stabilization and Fossilization in Interlanguage Development," by Mike Long. And here goes the quote: Whatever the current or future verdict on its validity as a description of the end product of at least some cases of SLA, as an explanation, fossilization clearly fails. <clears throat> left to stand on its own. It is a black box, no more revealing than saying that learners cannot progress any further because of force X. Ooh. Failure.
0: Failure is an explanation. Yep. It doesn't hold up is what he's mm-hmm. saying. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that was 2003. Hashtag failure. That's hashtag, 2000, hashtag failure. failure. Um, that was 2003. Michael Long said that, uh, who's a tremendous scholar, by the way, and a really, really, really smart man. Um, and I don't think it's any different now, 2016, than it was 2003. I think he's still correct on it's that account. It's
2: actually
0: 2017. 2017. Oh my god! <laughs> 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 I didn't even catch it. Alice, Alice just lost uh-huh. a year. Alice oh, just lost boy. a year. Like I didn't have an Alice moment. I had an Alice, Alice year. <laughs> oh my gosh. Jeez. Well, anyway, that's a that's a good quote. And see, that's the problem with some like fossilization. We have all these terms that get thrown around, and then teachers hear them mm-hmm. and they think, oh my god. And then I, I won't talk about the two people who wrote that article in 82 that just caused so much controversy in language teaching by using the term fossilization and if you don't teach them grammar and make them practice they're going to fossilize just scared to beat Jesus out of people and that became a cornerstone of I will say this of Alice O'Maggio's book which was a book that a lot of people use for language teaching that Mm -hmm. I think actually did more to take language teaching backwards and forwards in many ways but anyway and she was a colleague of mine too but we, we disagreed on so many things Alice and I Okay. Um, all right. Uh, thank you, Angelica. You are very As welcome. As usual. Good little quote for the day. Oh, my gosh. We have a caller on the phone. Look who really? it is. Really? Is this Sean? <laughs> it is. How are
3: you? Sean, are you You're back, back again, from North Carolina? <laughs> I am
0: back. Good I don't back know. Again. Is this permissible? Dustin, are you letting people do double calls on the phone? Oh, if
2: nobody else calls?
0: All right. Well, cause you know why. He heard there was a book. I understand he wants to do the Diva Challenge question. Is that correct, Sean? It is. All right. So Sean's going to do the Diva Challenge question and answer it. So let me give it to you, and then you give me the answer. Here we go. What Academy Award-winning actress starred in the sequel to Jurassic Park, the sequel being named The Lost World? Answer is, Sean... Julianne Moore. Ding, 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 ding. Got nothing. I didn't really? even know who that is. Oh, my gosh. Oh, she's Alice on the Still Alice. <laughs> exactly. The one that he always talks about. See, Isn't that right? That's it, has, Alice? it has double meaning. Not only is we have a fossil-related diva question because of Jurassic oh, Park, but she was she won the Academy it. Award for being Alice who loses her memory and her mind. <laughs> That's where I get Alice moment uh, you're from.
2: You're so smart, Bill.
0: There you go. Sean, you did good. Appreciate it. There you wow. go. So um, I'm assuming you gave all your information to Dustin. So I will um, sign. I will sign to Sean. Lots of love, Bill. Enjoy these stories. Yeah. And um, thank you very much, guys. And you can have that. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for calling in <laughs> twice today. You get a hey,
1: Sean. Did you have to look that up or did you know
0: it?
4: I did have to look that up, and I actually discovered that she is from the great state of North Carolina as well. Oh, there you, go. there
0: you go. Oh my God, I'm hitting that out of the park today on this question. <laughs> I tell you, you are absolutely doing that. There you go. All right. All right, Sean, well, thanks for calling in. Talk to you soon. All right, take care. Guys. Okay, be good. Bye <laughs> bye. That was fun. I didn't, that's, okay, that's one thing I didn't know that Julianne Moore was from North Carolina. <coughs> oh, God, there goes my throat again. Oh, my gosh. Okay, anything going on in Mixler or email that we want to address? We haven't talked to anybody on the print side of things or the virtual side of things during the whole show. So what you got going, Walter? What you got going, Angelica? I've got a question here. Oh, there we go. All right, we got Mary Poppins. It needs over to here, be sorry. an
2: Irish question. Oh yeah, please. I can't do
0: We it. got Walter Poppins. Irish,
2: over here. Walter, Walter Poppins. <laughs> I like it. That's good.
1: Uh, all right, so this is a question from Maria. I just met a girl named Maria. And I think it's Maria. Yeah, I was, just looking. I was like, wait, was it Marla? What, no, it's Maria. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and here's what Maria has to say. Has any research been done correlating kids' rate of L1 acquisition in the home with their subsequent rate of L2 acquisition?
0: The answer is no, and I talked about that in the show. That would be – I wish there were a way to do that. Um, hmm. uh, um, it would be really, really cool research because I've speculated, and I think some other people have too, that the individual differences that exist in first language acquisition show up in second language acquisition because those individual differences affect your rate and so on. And I bet you they show up in second language acquisition as well. I bet. Huh. But there is no research, Maria, unfortunately. So if you want to do it, Maria, let me know. There you go, Maria. Hopefully uh,
1: someone, and Maria, just so you know, is also from North Carolina. Oh my gosh. So- <laughs>
0: nice we're just going to move the show down to Charlotte I'll tell you hmm. okay anything else on email or nothing's gone in Mixler no
2: very quiet um, but Diane suggested a um, topic on Twitter language acquisition and literacy development same different how thanks language
0: acquisition literacy development same different how um, oh yeah, I could answer that in one sentence, but I will not oh, if she wants wow. it to be a show.
2: No, if you if you can answer it in one <laughs> sentence, do it right now.
0: Of course, they're different, but one is partially dependent on the other. Hmm. Ooh, there you go. More How's to that? come. To be continued. Mm-hmm, to be continued. Mm-hmm. I was looking for a new show theme in the next couple of weeks after the next. For April, we might put that one up for an April show. Cool. Remind me. I have a question. I won't remember.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have a question from Stephen, and Stephen says, "Is fossilized pronunciation caused by a lack of acquisition of L two phonology, or a lack of development of speech motor
0: skills?" Um, we don't know. Um, There's been work done a lot by um, Fleggy on this. Fleggy is one of the principal researchers on L two phonology, and a number of others too. Um, but he, he's a big name. And they have shown that actually things that are non-native like representation can change. They can be overcome. And it's not clear whether it's underlying representation, which would be the phonology, or if it's the spell out when you're speaking, which would be the articulation or the motor skills. I think that... It, it, who's, who's that from? Steven. From Steven, which I think is what Steven's referring to. So you could have in your head, for example, the phonological representation. You have the underlying abstract nature of how English sound system works and how things combine and so on but when you're speaking it doesn't come out so your your representation is not fossilized but maybe some mechanism by which production happens is fossilized if that makes any sense and this is the the, the, the problem with Larry Selinker's conceptualist fossilization is really what is it hmm. I mean if it's not if my representation is fine then is it really fossilization because I can't do it Um, And so there you go. Interesting. Fascinating, in fact. So, Stephen, yes, um, it probably could just be the articulatory things and not the underlying representational stuff. There we go. What time is it? Oh, my gosh. Look at the time.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: We got like three and a half minutes left. What are we going to talk about?
2: Who's who's not here?
0: Let's talk about (laughs) it. If
2: only somebody were to call in.
0: We don't even need to call in. We (sighs) can... Let's talk. Let's talk about Sean. I like that Sean called in twice. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. There's no quick, quick other questions we can answer. I have other questions, but they're all really they long ones. Yeah, they're long. So, should I give some parting shot to fossilization before we sign off? I think
2: off? you should. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I just want to underscore to people that as a scholar, I have to say that technically, I should be open to the idea of fossilization, right? But as a scientist, I also have to say you have to. There has to be evidence for it. And to date, as of 2017, there's no real. He got it right this time. Real clear empirical. <laughs> I know. I was, did, you, did you notice I slowed down when I was saying There is no clear empirical research on it. And as um, several scholars have said, we have lots of people talking about and trying to explain fossilization, but we have no real documented evidence, documented fossilization going on in the literature. So we have exclamation before evidence, which is kind of an interesting concept. Usually you have some kind of evidence that you're trying to, or observation you're trying to explain, right? Um, but there you have it. All right. And just also, fossilization is not tied to the critical period. I know. I know someone's going to ask that. So there, I just said it. It's not tied to the critical period. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. There you have it. Oh, my God. I think I'm fossilized in some areas <laughs> of my thinking these days. I've been thinking that, but I didn't want to say anything. Well, you know, that's because I read your mind,
1: Walter, and I know exactly... <laughs>
0: I know what you think. I just think you're
1: looking fossilized these
0: days. Oh my gosh.
2: <laughs> wow. Harsh, harsh words, harsh words. Oh, I'm so sorry.
0: I'm gonna go back to the volleyball days. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well we should start signing off here. We only have a few minutes or minute and a half left. We want to thank our technical producer Daniel Trego, who's there at the boards doing what he needs to do. Our poor media producer Luca Giappone's out today, ill, but he's here in spirit. He's probably home listening. Um we thank him. The talented and trusted call handler and muscle man. I love calling him a muscle man. Destin DeFelice has been handling the phones today. Um, Our intern, Jennifer Lee, who actually took over Luca's job today and has been running the board so that we can – nobody knows this, but we have this big screen in front of us so we can read callers coming in and there's a time clock up there. It helps us run the show. Um, so Jen has done a really good job taking that over today for Luca. So thank you, Jen. Uh, we always lo- also like to thank the College of Arts and Letters at Michigan State University, especially our Dean Christopher Long. He's away right now, I heard, but he oh, should be back right? soon. Yep. Mm-hmm. So he'll be back soon, but we love Dean. We love our Dean Christopher Long. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed in this program do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, or any other official entity of Michigan State University. And of course, we want to thank all of you listeners out there as well. Especially Sean because you called him twice. Yay. Go Sean. Okay. um, We will announce our topic for next week on our newsletter so be on the lookout for that. Until then, have a great weekend and happy second language acquisition to everyone out there. Say goodbye, Walter. Goodbye, everybody. Say goodbye, Angela.
2: Tschüss, bis nächste Woche und fröhlichen St. Perry's Day morgen.
0: There you go. It's right.
1: That's right. I heard Saint Paddy's Day muggin'. Mm-hmm.
0: And as yeah, we you know. say here in Spartan Land for tomorrow, go, go green. green, go white, no, go just green, only green. Okay, we'll all go green. Green. All green,
2: all green, all the way.
0: And the top they of the morning tomorrow?
3: tomorrow?
2: Yeah, they do. Yeah, so
3: green oh plays on. Oh man, uh, uh, welcome crazy. to my nightmare.
2: It'll be yeah, uh, I know, mine too. It'll be nuts.